So a question came in that I have actually been asked before uh, in a couple different contexts, but how, the question is this, how did I know when God had called me to pastor to uh, pastor a church, to be a pastor? And, and let me be clear so we can all get on the same page here. Oftentimes I'm asked this by uh, young ministers who want to, who go into the ministry or who specifically want to go plant a church because I planted. The only church I've ever pastored, I also planted. And so I want to answer the question at face value, specifically talking about pastoring. Now, there's sometimes people mean different things. How do you know you're called to preach? Um, which I think everyone preaches. Some people have a gift of speaking, and there's a gift of teaching, of course, you know, a call to be a teacher, but everyone's life is preaching. I digress. Uh, some people ask it in the context of planting a church. And, I, you know, some people are called to plant a church. Some people are called to pastor already existing churches. Going to answer the question at face value, how did I know that God had called me to pastor? And this is going to sound funny because I actually had the moment of realization that I was called to pastor or that there was a mantle of pastoring. And please don't split theological hairs over the, the terminology that I'm using. Someone's always going to want to take me out of context, and that's cool. I get that's part of it. Um, but I was already pastoring when I realized that, that God's hand was on me to do that. Now, let me qualify that statement before someone really just loses their mind over it. I don't have many uh, pastoral tendencies that came to me naturally I am a church planter. I really identify more with church planter than I do pastor. I'm, I'm all about starting things, laying the foundation for things. I often say to myself, to my staff, that at Flow Church, even though we've seen great things and God has blessed us incredibly, um, I still feel like we're just laying the foundation for the future generations that will come if the Lord tarries. And uh, but that's how that's how I feel about it. I connect much more to that part of it. Now we we can get lost in terminology, but that would be a waste of time for today. Um, so really, I had felt the call to plant Flow Church, and we were actually in that process. And of course, I understand that that means that 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 pastoring is a part of that. But I, God had to develop many pastoral tendencies in me over the course of time. People that have been with me for the entire ministry, and there's, thank God, there's there's several, they've had to endure years where I had to learn how to be an effective pastor. But my first experience of, of learning that God had his hand on me in that way, to really be a, a protector, a shepherd, uh, someone who loves uh, the, the God's people in that kind of way, more than just casting vision, but just to really be a shepherd over them. Um, I'll never forget it. Uh, we were just a few months in, and it was when the very first member of our church had passed away. We were in year number one, and uh, many people will remember this story. I've actually written about this. I love sharing this story, and I wanted to put it out there for everyone. But uh, his name was Sammy, and Sammy was from New Orleans, and he had that thick Cajun accent to go along with it. Sammy was an older gentleman, and uh, he uh, ended up dying of cancer. He got diagnosed with cancer. I don't know if, I can't remember if he had cancer when he started coming to Flow Church, or it was if he didn't already have it, it was shortly thereafter that he started attending. But um, Sammy had was uh, worked, his career was working on a, a ship, a boat. He was a captain of a shrimp boat that would go out and catch shrimp and fish and that kind of thing off the coast of New Orleans. And so that's as Cajun of a thing uh, as there is. And he had that sun, sun-worn skin, his, his sunburnt and, and uh, you know, weathered look about him. He had the long hair. He, you know, he looked like 
um, some didn't look like church folk. Uh, that's that's what I liked about him. He you know he had the tattoos on his neck and and uh, you know kind of a grizzled, a hard kind of look. You could tell he'd lived a hard life, and by his own admission, he had he'd had years of dealing with drugs and alcohol. And the reason Sammy had come back to the to the the area of the state that Flow Church is in, northeast Alabama, is his daughter had overdosed on drugs and left behind a grandson that now Sammy had had to leave New Orleans and come. Uh, come to take care of. So he finds himself, and Sammy probably looked older than he than he actually was. I'm going to guess late 50s, maybe early 60s, somewhere in that in that neighborhood. But his neighbors had been attending Flow Church, and they told him, "Hey, we're a part of this church that uh, that that we enjoy. That's a new church that's just gotten started. Won't you come check it out?" And this was the part of the story that that will that touch my heart and I believe it will yours when Sammy first came I don't think Sammy had any much if any knowledge of church and 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 anything to do with being a part of the family of God and coming to the house of God uh, because when Sammy came on that very first Sunday um, we had a bench outside the front door of that first little building that we started in and Sammy thought that the offering that you would that would be received in a service was people like buying their ticket to be there for the day and sammy realized upon pulling in the parking lot just that little gravel dirt parking lot that we have sammy realized he didn't have any cash on him and he thought that that meant he couldn't come inside that if he didn't have offering that's like buying a ticket and that therefore he's not going to be able to come in or he's going to be charged wow uh, to be there so and he has his grandson with him who's a, a young kid and that day and it was in the summertime of probably around it was hot I remember that I remember it was hot they sat outside on that bench and just listened to the service because I didn't think they could come inside and this was before we had teams that would you know the safety team security team First impression team, people at the doors. You know, this was before those days. We didn't even have a lot of people in the church, period. I'm going to guess less than 50 people, uh, you know, 30, 40 people tops uh, on this day. And no one noticed. No one noticed till the service was over with that Sammy was just, his grandson was just sitting outside on the bench. And Sammy sat outside and he heard the gospel. And Sammy gave his heart to Jesus and never even came inside the service on his first Sunday. And I'll never forget the profound impact that that had on my preaching and just all of it, just all of it to think, well, man, the gospel can even, it will literally go outside the doors if, you, if you're just telling it, just to, giving the good news. And, uh, and we got to know Sammy and learned his story and realized that he was battling cancer and realized that this is a man that had lived a hard life and 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 I was and guys, I want to put it in perspective. I'm I'm in my mid twenties. I'm 24 or 25 years old at this point in my life. What do I even know at that age? When you're in your mid twenties, you're just smart enough to not know how stupid you are. And um, and I just remember being so struck. I had come from very traditional fundamental church where I just saw it one way, and then to see this radical. Uh, tr transformation of a man and this conversion that happened all this way. And uh, so we knew Sammy had cancer. 
and I was actually down at the church on a Friday or Saturday night. We were cleaning the church, getting it ready for the upcoming Sunday when I got the call uh, that Sammy had passed away. He had gone back to New Orleans. There were friends or some family that was left there, and he had gone back to New Orleans and was in the hospital there and had, or on hospice and had passed away. And I'll never forget, and keep in mind, I knew I, was, I had been touched by this story, but I'd only known Sammy just maybe for a few months, tops. I'd not known him very long, so not really long enough to develop a real personal connection. When I remember I got the call, and we were expecting it, and I hung up, and I remember I sat down on the back row of the church, and I just started to cry. And I remember almost being surprised not almost for sure being surprised at the emotion that I was feeling and I distinctly know I know to this very day and again I was so young and stupid and and had much to learn but I remember knowing this emotion that is very much so born out of the spirit it was my soul giving way to what my spirit had connected with and I truly in that moment felt like I'm crying because I'm this man's pastor. I was his pastor. Uh, a, a sheep of the flock has, has passed away, and I, the shepherd, am, am grieving over that loss. And I remember that, that, that grief taking me by surprise. And it wasn't that, it wasn't that um, you know, I, I, I didn't expect to be sad. I knew I would be sad when Sammy would pass. I knew it was coming. But the amount of grief that I felt, it, it profoundly struck me and that's when I knew that God and for young ministers watching and for people that want to know the answer to the question how do you know God's called you to pastor you'll know it not just by the call that you feel to go start something or build something or to be a leader but you'll really know it when you know God has spiritually tethered your heart to the people that you are leading and it was tough I remember just thinking, wow, this has profoundly struck my heart in a way that I didn't even see coming. And we had an amazing time because um, this was early on. We didn't have much money uh, to, to do ministry with, and someone offered to fly us down to New Orleans so that I could preach Sammy's funeral. And Misty and I, we flew down one and flew back the very same day, just down long enough to do a funeral and turn around and come back. And people got saved at Sammy's funeral. The kind of crowd that you would, that I expected to show up at Sammy's funeral were the ones who came out. And I remember there was a few church members who had driven down. And I remember that we, we I shared the gospel. I shared Sammy's story and his funeral. And when we actually drove away, headed, taking a cab or someone drove us back to the airport, some of our church members were actually still in the parking lot of the funeral home praying with some of Sammy's friends from New Orleans to receive Christ. And I will never forget that story. And that is when, that precise moment, when God, through the most unexpected, unusual circumstances, did the most unexpected, unusual, spiritual thing in tethering my heart to someone uh, in a way that I never saw coming. And if you are a young aspiring minister, if you want to pastor, if you're going to plant a church or you feel called to lead a church, I want you to expect that that's what God will do. Or if you're just a Christian who's just wanting to serve God, know that God will, if you make yourself available, tether your heart to people in a way that you may not see coming and you'll be thankful that you have God's help and God's grace and God's backing in doing so.